by now you've heard about the grand jury decision uh, that was handed down in Louisville, Kentucky regarding the Breonna Taylor case. You know that of the three officers who were prominently involved in the raid and subsequent murder uh, of Ms. Taylor, you know that one of them was charged not with the murder of Ms. Taylor, but of, quote, wanton endangerment. That is to say that the city of Louisville, to include uh, its law enforcement and judicial circuit, determined that the surrounding property and people uh, were more important or were prioritized over Ms. Taylor's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If I'm to be perfectly honest with you, it took me 15 minutes to record less than a minute of commentary. And the reason why it's taken so long is because this entire case, this entire country, this entire situation that we're in does not feel right. Um, it does not feel right for me personally because I see the deaths of George Floyd, the death of Breonna Taylor, among many other deaths. And the issue that I have as a writer, as someone who uh, follows the media and celebrity and entertainment very closely, is that I'm seeing people take the names of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. I'm seeing people supposedly understand that um, because of what happened to Mr. Floyd and Ms. Taylor, that all of a sudden black lives matter. And so now we need to hire more black people. Now we need to put uh, black people in more prominent positions. And so people are building dreams and legacies and bank accounts and all of these types of things. But George Floyd and Breonna Taylor are not here to live out their dreams and make no mistake about it they had big dreams i'm gonna let stephen jackson uh, who is look in everything but blood george floyd's twin i want you to hear um what george floyd had planned for his life every off season i go to houston he the first person i pick up we mm -hmm. hang out shop do everything together me playing basketball we kind of lost contact at times but um we spoke at least once or twice a year. I had talked to him right before he moved to Minnesota. You know, he had, we had went did some time, came home, and uh, wanted, to, wanted to change his life. And we have daughters the same age, Gigi and Sky the same age. So we used to always talk about our kids. Mm -hmm. He was going to Minnesota because he wanted to get out of the environment. You know, sometimes you just got to change the environment to change your life. Mm -hmm. And his heart was always in the right place. He just could never could get his environment to match his heart. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So he felt like going to Minnesota was the Fresh chance. Fresh start. Fresh start. Why he meant so much to me is because you have a lot of people, when we have success, that call you for the wrong reasons, mm -hmm. that abuse our friendship. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And with him going to Minnesota, he could have called me for anything because you know I would have done it for him. This is the only person I consider my twin. He called me and asked me for clothes for job interviews. Different. But it, it blew my mind, right. you know what I mean? And I saw the change in him, right. you know what I mean? Because we talked about so much stuff. He wanted to be fly, he wanted to, to floss and all that, but for him to call me and say, all I need is clothes for job interviews, mm -hmm. I knew his mind was different. Mm -hmm. I knew he was thinking different. I knew he, he went to jail and rehabilitated himself. Right. So 
to, to see how it ended up. How did you find out? I was actually uh, asleep on the, on the couch with Sky. And my girl, and Tammy, her mom, mm -hmm. my girlfriend, she's from Minnesota. Okay. Her family lives in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. She sent me the video. Mm. And I'm, you know, I'm half asleep, and I look at it, I kind of just like breeze through it because we talk about it all the time. I didn't but really, not I, realizing who it was or what didn't, was going I didn't on, even right? look at it like that. Mm -hmm. it, I thought it was just another black man getting killed by police. You know, I kind of lay back down next to the sky, and I just, my eyes was open, so I just started scrolling through my phone. And I got like 50-some messages. And I hit the message from my homeboy, Mike D, and it says, you see what they did, your twin in Minnesota. Mm. And uh, when I saw the message, it just correlated the message that my girlfriend mama had something. Mm -hmm. And it just fucked me up because I seen myself down there. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, I didn't expect it to be him. Right. These stories hurt, bro, because um, you hear about so many people uh, that's like trying to get their life right. Like a lot of us maybe listening to this podcast may feel like that. So you're here with Floyd and then, you know, Breonna Taylor, 26. This was supposed to be her year, man. She, um, you know, got a wall full of post-it notes. And um, she just bought a car. You know, she's got a job. She's, you know, working a bunch, trying to get stuff done. She want to have a, ba uh, want to have a baby with her boyfriend. You know, boyfriend <laughs> wanted to proposed to her all these things are taken away because of the police and the Floyd situation was different because when they killed Floyd man all hell broke loose man and I ain't gonna lie man sitting from where I was sitting man I was rooting the people in Minneapolis on man because I know history and I know that after they killed King people turned up for about four or five days man you got the voting rights act out of that man so you know obviously didn't want nobody to get hurt but I understand that America only understands one language, and that language is violence. Uh, you can look through decades and centuries of history. And if you know, you know, if you want to open up a book or go on Wikipedia and you look and you see what revolution means in to America or in America, or not even in America, all over the world is violence. But I want to go back to Breonna Taylor for a minute because... It didn't really break out like that in Louisville. And so around the same time we heard about Breonna Taylor, the pandemic happened. So as long as we've been quarantining, uh, we've been thinking about this young woman and I get it. You want to feel like you can do something. So the trendy thing to say became arrest the cops who murdered Breonna Taylor. And so people found, you know, new innovative ways to try to say it. But after a while, it became a gimmick. Black Lives Matter, say her name. All of these well-meaning phrases became vain with the reality that no-knock warrants were legal at the time of her murder. And then memification became mummification. I bought this magazine, ironically enough, called Vanity Fair and all of these vain things that we were doing uh, to try to remember and honor and demand justice for Breonna Taylor came to a head in this magazine that I bought 
because one of my favorite writers had a piece in here. So I said, man, I'm going to buy this magazine to support this brother. Sure enough, they had a caricature of Miss Taylor in this wonderful uh, turquoise dress, it appears. And so I go to flip through the magazine and I see ads for Gucci and all of these corporate ads. I believe I turned some 10 or 15 pages before I got to words. And so what I had realized and what I've been realizing over these past few months is that people have commodified the deaths of black people to sell a handbag, to sell perfume, to sell jewelry, to sell BS. Lord, I've never been so close <laughs> as the saying bull, you know what? On my own podcast, but here again, presumably the writers uh, who published stories in this Vanity Fair got paid. Their career profiles have been boosted. Tana Husey Coates uh, was the special guest editor of this issue. And so his legend continues on the back of Breonna Taylor. And I'm not saying that as an indictment of Tana Husey Coates. I'm saying that as an indictment of a system that from start to finish protects the wealthy and the white. And I understand how police play a role in that. And I understand that for this capitalist society to continue as literally business as usual, that black blood, black people are the collateral. And we all know it's not right. Um, to be a Negro, to be a Negro in this country, and to be um, relatively conscious, is to be in a state of rage, almost, almost all of the time. You wonder why I spit the truth, but not to make no dope. To make a difference. Making, you're listening to Making a Difference. Glad you all are checking in uh, despite everything that's going on. And there is so much uh, that's going on in this country. I um, want to talk about a few things today. I really want to just talk from the perspective of uh, things just not being right. I think, and it, understandably so, uh, there is a desire for people to want to, um, quote unquote, get back to normal. And I want people to deal with the reality that there is no getting back to normal between the pandemic, uh, between some of the things that we're seeing in terms of race relations in this country. Uh, the question I would have for people who want to get back to normal is why would you want to go back to that? Um, I understand that, like I said, difficult things are happening in this country, but they are a necessary evil and there is so much evil. Um, but people are going to have to stand up and, you know, fight for things. You know, if you think that this democracy is so important, uh, you're going to have to fight for it. And you're going to have to fight for it in more places than the ballot box. You're going to have to uh, invest the time and effort uh, to save this democracy. If you think that this democracy is worth saving, I have uh, my feelings on that. But I do want to make this uh, about Breonna Taylor mostly. Um, and I do want to, uh, like I say, just talk about just some of the things that I see happening that 
you know, that we need to seriously address. I'm really going to be freestyling this podcast as much as I can, because I know I'm going to jump into some conversations and it may look, hopefully not ranting or rambling, but I just think that there are just so many different places uh, to take this conversation. Uh, I won't be saying too much today about Daniel Cameron. Uh, I do want to uh, get Daniel Cameron out of the way because he is rightfully and understandably uh, the point of uh, contention and anger for a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of why folks are mad at Daniel Cameron um, is because they would expect a black attorney general to act in the best interest of black people. And I say this about the word black contextually. Anytime you put black uh, in front of uh, anything, even when you say uh, black man, black woman, you know, black LGBTQ, you know, we say black gay, black, black lesbian. Uh, anytime you put black in front of a gender or sexual preference, the black takes priority. It takes priority, not because of what I'm telling you on this podcast. It takes priority because of how America treats blackness and how it has treated blackness over the last uh, 400 years. And so I say that because I understand what is expected of Daniel Cameron by virtue of his blackness. And this is something that we have to graduate from as a people. We have to understand, and I've said this before many, many times on this podcast, that uh, all skin folk aren't kin folk. And we are left with a challenge um, as black people um, to understand that while we're fighting for uh, a greater good and while we are fighting for um, black people, that we may encounter black people who do not have that same energy. And so we have to deal with them in many ways, the same ways that we deal with other opposing forces. I said yesterday uh, on the Making a Difference page, I would by all means encourage you to follow that page, facebook.com backslash making a different show. I said that black people can uh, uphold and maintain white supremacy. Uh, Daniel Cameron certainly falls into that category. This situation uh, as much as it's about Breonna Taylor, uh, it's about the state of policing in this country. And I also said that if you want to take on a Breonna Taylor challenge, because I'm starting to see the hashtags again, um, they are even as well-intentioned as they are, they are as vain as ever. Um, I'm starting to see the hashtag challenges. The challenge I want to see with Breonna Taylor now is um, finding out in your city, in your town, in your state, uh, where their no-knock warrants have been banned. I can tell you, um, in Louisville, uh, Breonna Taylor was murdered in March. Uh, in June, I want to say they uh, passed uh, law, a, a law, or they passed, uh, I don't want to say initiative. I believe it's on the books. They have banned no-knock warrants. I can tell you for the state of South Carolina, shout out my man, Chris Clark. Uh, he dropped, uh, dropped knowledge on me yesterday uh, to let me know that there is a temporary ban uh, on no-knock warrants in South Carolina. Uh, that obviously needs to be extended to a permanent ban on no-knock warrants. I will briefly explain why that is important uh, because this country says so much about, you know, standing your ground and being able to protect yourself in your home. Uh, quite obviously, if someone comes into your home forcefully, um, you should, and I say can or could, defend yourself. Uh, I've made I've made this example. Someone comes to my house. I don't care if you shot police or not. You come barging through that door. You in my world. 
And if I got a, if I got the pistol next to me, I mean, look, say less. For the simple fact, and this is why no knock, no knock warrants are an issue, because there have been incidents of people knocking in and forced entry, saying they're the police and they are not the police. Uh, there are so many, uh, not just reforms, but just dramatic changes that, and I understand reform and change are synonyms, but there's just terminology that is so, um, it's, it's so vain. Um, it's been dragged through the mud and it's been rendered so inefficient that we just need new terminology to denote that uh, we're not BSing about things needing to change with police. I've spoken uh, extensively about not only wanting to get rid of no-knock warrants, but needing to end the qualified immunity. Uh, we talk about accountability for the police. Uh, accountability for the police, if we're going to be serious, has to extend uh, to accountability for elected officials because the things that police do come down uh, by virtue of the decisions um, that are made by elected officials, not just police chiefs, um, but specifically uh, when you look at, you know, city councils and, uh, you know, state and federal legislators. And so we have to start challenging those folks. I am beginning to do that in North Augusta, South Carolina, um, here in my hometown, or here, I should say here where I reside. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I had a chance to, I understand that there is a pro-police march uh, that is coming up in North Augusta. The timing cannot be worse for my side of America because there are two Americas. And I understand that there is an America. I'm not talking about North America and South America. <laughs> I'm talking about two Americas. I understand there is a faction of America that will be excited about the pro-police march. My response to that is very simple. North Augusta uh, has a general fund um, and revenues and expenditures in the neighborhood of $19 million. And of that $19 million, the city of North Augusta um, has designated in its budget for eight around $8.8 million of that money to be spent uh, with uh, what is deemed as public safety. Public, safe, public safety is um, the police, it's fire, uh, the firefighters, and it's animal control. And there is some double dipping in there. You know, you have some police officers who are also firefighters which presents another problem uh if i had my druthers i would break i would actually functionally and not just financially break it up i would functionally break it up uh to say that okay we have police officers here we have firefighters here we have animal control here the public safety model uh, is a model that is grossly outdated uh in terms of uh, how we look at policing and look let's face it so many things in north augusta are outdated but let me just get back to the numbers 19 million of that 8.8 million is allotted to public safety, which is 46%. Um, that is an issue because when I look at North Augusta and I, and what I always tell people is I always tell people the poverty issue of poverty. Um, the population of North Augusta is 77% white. Um, the percentage of people living below the poverty line is actually below 10%. I want to say it is 6%. I remember the number uh, for black folks because it is so much more dramatic and more distinct. Um, 17% of the population of North Augusta is African-American. Uh, of those 17%, 39% live below the poverty line. That is to say that roughly two out of five um, African-Americans in North Augusta are living below the poverty line. And so that is to say, if you were to go to your favorite grocery store, or perhaps a place you shop, and if you were to count one, two, three, four, five black people, two of those black people statistically would be living below the poverty line, which is to say that 
their grocery experience, their grocery, their shopping experience um, is not as pleasant um, and is more dramatic and dire uh, than maybe those of us listening to the podcast or certainly myself, um, which is, like I said, only by the grace of God. So with all of that said, a pro-police march in North Augusta is redundant because the city of North Augusta has committed itself to being pro-police, not just in terms of ideology, but in terms of how much money it is willing to invest um, in police. There is this prevailing narrative in Two Americas that uh, police are somehow underappreciated. It's not that they're underappreciated, it's that they are um, lacking in accountability. The truth about police in this country is this, is that you can kill an African-American, be protected by qualified immunity, um, be sent home from your job with pay, um, thanks to uh, the efforts of police unions in this, co- police unions in this country. Um, you can come to a trial or you can find yourself in front of a grand jury and be protected even further. Um, as we uh, saw in the situation with uh, Breonna Taylor, I understand the no-not warrant element um, being legal, and so that may have affected uh, the charges in some ways, but by and large, Tupac said it better than me, and so I'm going to go ahead and let Pac say his piece. Still, I see no changes. And the reason why I don't see any changes is because the two party system, the establishment wings of the two party system are both invested in policing. They are both invested in putting more money into policing. The difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump in terms of police is that Donald Trump wants stormtroopers. His brand of fascism has gone so far as to actually attack protesters or attack efforts that are pro- that are protesting the police. You've heard about heat rays. Uh, you've heard about, you know, charging, um, quote unquote, violent protesters with sedition, which is uh, which actually comes with a 20 year prison sentence. But a lot of this uh, rhetoric that suggests that if you're protesting against the police, that you're anti-American. Uh, this is the type of energy that uh, Donald Trump's America uh, is bringing. Uh, not only Donald Trump's America, but uh, the uh, federal power and the power of the law that comes with it. Uh, this is the energy that they're bringing. Joe Biden, the architect of the 1994 crime bill and periodical segregationist, uh, had this to say to CBS News. Do you believe there is systemic racism in law enforcement? Absolutely. But it's not just in law enforcement. It's across the board. It's in housing, it's in education, it's in everything we do. It's real, it's genuine, it's serious. Look, not all law enforcement officers are racist. My Lord, there's some really good, good cops out there. But the way in which it works right now, we've seen too many examples of it. Do you support defunding the police? No, I don't support defunding the police. I support conditioning federal aid to police based on whether or not they meet certain basic standards of decency and honorableness. In fact, are able to demonstrate they can protect the community and everybody in the community. 
I can't even engage Joe Biden in good faith in this conversation uh, because I believe that policing in this country can't be reformed. I believe there are too many factors um, that go into it, starting with the inherent bias um, and the d disproportionate occurrences of violence that happen against black people. The city of Los Angeles, which has a police budget of over one billion with a B dollars, has gang initiations. Like there are reports of uh, violent acts that are performed by law enforcement to become a part of this secret society. Like that's actually happening uh, with the LA County uh, PD. And you would think that the sheriff or, you know, officials uh, over this uh, department would have some type of shame. Nope. Uh, the county sheriff has actually been embroiled in two uh, NBA-related uh, incidents. Uh, one where he was uh, soliciting, or I should say bullying, uh, LeBron James uh, for a donation to the department that, let me remind you, um, gets is uh, designated $1.1 billion a year. Uh, he was asking LeBron to donate some money, I, uh, and I believe it was resulting, uh, there were uh, some officers who had been shot, and so... Uh, he was saying, you know, since LeBron had spoken up about Black Lives Matter, that he should give some money to the cause. Um, obviously, so we're totally disregarding that. But the second incident that he, he's been involved in is actually he's being sued by Vanessa Bryant, uh, the wife or widow of uh, the late Kobe Bryant. Still unbelievable that um, that we're saying that. At any rate, um, so Vanessa Bryant is suing him and the department because of unsolicited photos that were taken um, at the uh, helicopter crash site. Just an unfathomable uh, level of insensitivity until you remember that we are talking about the police. But just getting back to the general discussion, um, we're living in a country where neither political party is providing solutions for uh, reallocating money um, to public services since def defund the police is such a sensitive uh, phrasing. Nor is either political party uh, bringing forth uh, the profound changes that are needed to prevent uh, future Breonna Taylors or future George Floyds. Uh, we've been here, honestly, uh, even since before Michael Brown. Uh, but Michael Brown should have been a flashpoint in 2014 with what happened with Ferguson uh, and with the Obama administration uh, levying or actually uh, presenting a report uh, about what happened in Ferguson. Uh, and really what they did in Ferguson with that report should have been done in L.A., in Chicago, in Atlanta, in Baltimore. Uh, in every major metropolitan city in this country. And that Justice Department um, should have uh, represented the culture shift uh, that changed how policing happened in this country. It did not happen. And so here we are in 2020 uh, now, um, basically uh, in the midst of a government uh, that is literally waging war on its residents and is waging war on protesters who are rightfully um, frustrated and angry uh, with how policing takes place in this country. When we come back, I want to continue on the theme of, you know, it just doesn't feel right um, from the perspective of one Benjamin Crump. Um, stick with us. You're listening to Making a Difference. My name is Lauren Macon, and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. This is Donald Doe and Michael Doe with Family Financial Consultants. Do you need help with Medicare, with affordable mortgage and life insurance? building an estate for your child? We provide these types of services for you and much more. As independent insurance brokers, we take pride in coming into people's homes and not only saving them money, but changing their lives. Imagine only paying a few dollars for your medicine instead of hundreds. 
or cutting the cost of your insurance premiums. Our goal is to provide affordable policies tailored to your individual needs. Give us a call at 803-293-8915 or 706-503-3933. Family Financial Consultants, LLC, located at 412 Edgefield Road in North Augusta, South Carolina. Agents work for companies, but a broker works for you. Hey, y'all, we're going to get back to the show in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about my good friends over at Quick Print Augusta. I want to tell you about some of the services they provide. They do family reunion T-shirts, political flyers, logo designs, church programs, church fans, brochures, business cards and banners. So if you need any of those things, and I'm pretty sure you do. Give them a call at 706-750-9779. That's 706-750-9779. You can also shoot them an email at info at quickprintaugusta.com. Info at quickprintaugusta.com. You can also hit them up on Facebook at Quick Print Augusta. But wait, there's more. If you mention making a difference to the good folks at Quick Print Augusta, they will give you 10% off of your order. Again, if you mention MAD, making a difference, they'll give you 10% off. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. I know this is an incredibly tough podcast, especially with, like I said, everything that's going on. I'm very cognizant of that. Uh, at any point, man, if this pod becomes too much, man, like I said, take a step back, you know, um, hit stop, man. Just try to catch your breath for real because it's, it's a lot going on. Uh, shout out my man, Dominique Bond. He's always my, he actually had a post on Facebook the other day saying that people definitely need to be mindful of their stressors. Um, you know, during this time, I mean, we are still living in the middle of a pandemic, just just a lot, man. So do what you have to do to maintain. I'm definitely an advocate for that for sure, man. Just want to see everybody trying to live as much as we can, living healthy, productive uh, lives, man. Um, I want to talk about Ben Crump, and I want to talk about Ben Crump from the perspective of a conversation I had with, with my man yesterday. Shout out my man, Crono. Uh, look, I ain't going to shout out the government on the, on the pod, man, but we just had a, a pretty good back and forth. And actually, this portion of the discussion is not going to take long, man. Um, it's interesting because Ben Crump, uh, family Rattler alum, it's always funny how I end up going at some of my Rattler brothers and sisters uh, in government. I know I've had I've said some things about Keisha Lance Bottoms in the past. Uh, look, I'm going to always keep that same energy, you know, when it comes to these discussions. And so it goes with Ben Crump. Um, I want to say this first. I understand that he is in actually scratch all that before, but look, before I jump into this thing, let me just say F12 and F12 million. Um, and I'm saying that in regards to the settlement, um, not because, you know, I understand Crump fought for that. And, you know, he, he was saying something to the effect of, you know, it's the largest settlement, you know, ever blah, blah, blah. So forth. Um, I think we all understand that you can't put a price tag on a person's life. Um, and no amount of money will ever be able to one bring Brianna back, but two, um, restore the public trust, not just in Louisville, but across this country, man, because we seen some things that has happened for many years. Um, that, like I say, I understand people who don't want to have any part of this country, whether it's, you know, interactions with the police or voting or any of it, that frustration is more than justified. Is it toxic? Can it be toxic? Most certainly. But like I said, it's something that I understand. Um, and I even understand that even in some of the more radical traditions of this country, um, how people say, you know what? I just want to organize and, and mobilize and see some things that we can get done through the grassroots. 
Uh, my take on with making a difference in general is, is that I think that uh, there are some things that you just have to fuse together. I think you just have to be mindful um, of history and of some of the things that have worked. Uh, I think there are ways that you can that progress that you can be subversive. Um, I think there are obviously I think the end goal is to always be progressive. Um, if you're going to vote, vote progressively. If you're going to challenge government, challenge government progressively. Um, and I understand that there are places that even the progressive movement can't go. And so, um, again, I, you know, once again, bring up the radical traditions of this country and some of the, uh, you know, with uh, a shout out to, you know, the Black Panthers and movements such as those that um, did have a profound impact on this country, whether uh, you want to agree with that or not, or whether whatever the history books might tell you. Um, history speaks for itself. With that said, Ben Crump, uh, my issue with Ben Crump, you know, in the first comment that I made, and I had to go back and think about this comment, I said, Ben Crump doesn't play to win. Um, he uh, plays to settle. And so my man Chrono said, win what? And so I went on to say that, you know, Crump is just a high profile ambulance chaser. And, you know, we went back and forth about, you know, just what it means to get a settlement and, a, you know, a settlement. Um, not, you know, not being justice and the end result as it is with a lot of these different things is frustration. Um, as it relates to Mr. Crump, I'll just start out by saying that when you, you know, have the title or the moniker of being a civil rights attorney, um, there's a certain, I think, connotation or expectation that comes with that. Uh, that connotation and expectation um, might not be consistent with how the judicial system works, but there's a, that expectation of civil rights. And so when you see that someone is fighting for civil rights, you expect to get more than money out of the deal. Now, with that said, Ben Crump has fought. Um, I know in the Trayvon case, um, you know, for certain reforms, uh, I can imagine that Ben Crump's influence um, may have factored in somewhat. And I, like I said, I cannot determine this for certain. Um, may have factored into the no-knock warrants uh, being banned uh, in Louisville. I know for my part, it's somewhat disconcerting. Um, even at the point of the $12 million settlement, uh, Mr. Crump had a chance to speak to that, and he said that uh, this isn't the result that we wanted. Um, but at the same time, you know, he uh, spoke about that settlement being the, um, the one of the largest settlements um, in history. And I understand the angst and the frustration of people who say, well, if you didn't get the result that you wanted, then why why are you here celebrating this settlement? And I share that frustration as well. And I do remember even now when I was talking with my, with my bro, I was saying, um, you know, that basically Crump is a settlement lawyer. And I that is where the that's the source of my discontent. Um, and, I, and I realize it now is that if the best that you can get out of a Trayvon Martin situation or a Breonna Taylor situation, or maybe even a George Floyd situation. If the best that you can get out of that is to have to settle or is to have to compromise, um, it's a, it's a bad faith negotiation because as I said at the beginning of the podcast, um, you're negotiating money with life. You're negotiating a money with blood. And it's never going to be an equal exchange. Now, the question coming from Crump's side, and I get that too, is should we blame Crump for that? Or is he just a part of a, a bigger system? I think this is the crux of the matter, not just for Ben Crump, but for all of us. 
Um, at some point, we have to look and see what power or platform or opportunity or resources that we have. And we have to ultimately ask ourselves, are we using uh, these resources um, the best way possible um, to uh, for, for social uplift? And when I look at Ben Crump, it may be a bit much to say that he's an ambulance chaser. It may be a bit much to say that he's a thief in the night. But what I can say with great certainty is that he is a harbinger of unfulfillment. And I say that from the perspective of after the cameras are gone and after the settlements are made, the family is left with a reality. And the reality is, is that their loved ones are never coming back. And the challenge for us now is to make sure and I don't I don't say this vaguely and I don't say this uh, in, a, in a trifling fashion. I say this with all sincerity is. We have to commit ourselves, everybody who cares about what happened to Breonna Taylor and what happened to George Floyd and what happened to so many other families is that we have to commit ourselves and, and we have to challenge ourselves to make sure that this never happens with another family again. Whether we do it at the ballot box, whether we do it in our own towns, whether we do it by getting in the face of a police chief or, you know, even challenging, challenging our neighbors on their political views and their standards as it relates to uh, the police or as it relates to Black Lives Matter, then we have to do whatever is necessary. There's an analogy in sports um, that says to leave it all on the floor. Um, and I actually want to talk about sports after we take a quick musical break. The song you're about to hear is entitled Pig Feet by Terrace Martin and Denzel Curry. Uh, amongst some other uh, talented MCs. If you are listening to this podcast with young children, I do want to apologize for <laughs> Steven Jackson's uh, F-bomb. And I do want to let you know that for the next three minutes, and so that would be around the 41-minute mark, you may want to fast forward. And thank you for listening to Making a Difference. Kill these motherfuckers. 
motherfuckers, nigga. See all we are VR, sleeping the snooze, peeking the deacons, keeping the rules, creeping the room, she sneaking cheeks, finna doom cats kidding me. Little cats kill literally. How these cats start bigotry like an avatar forest. The machine talk jarrus. Whatever they hand you in a Biarish, your hand stuck in the cookie jar. Hold on to the sweet shit, beef shit. Green jackets, the old cats, fill a eclipse, eclipse. Blacks cover the white light. Cats stuck in the twilight, wildlife. See the wise life stuck in hindsight. Side bright, re catch up. It's monumental, don't mind you, man. Mind you, it's in my mind, intertwine you, sign you in. Don't get no autograph and patches, just collapse you. But the wealth of Cleopatra, perhaps you sleep in your mattress. Weak stuck like a statue. A statue keeps, we attack you. Don't act too street, we gon' ask you. Is this a cop out? Bring the cops out, bring the fears, you see the pigment. We depict the indigenous people, dig it. Hold on to life, we don't go for the house of rep. They done trapped us in the alphabet. Our alphas can't get out the net. Netball and imaginary gold. Shot clock, what's your net worth? Chris Weber, mmm. Deep Weber, mmm. Time out, mom's house, etymology, mortgage, die route. Be lesbian, buddy, you better study. Buddy holes in his money roll, buddy cold. They gon' pay for taking my brother. Now I say we need one mic and they shot the brown one. Y'all done forgot the brown one, a new white mic. Rocking the nightgown, it's ancient. They covered his past with his kid blanket. Y'all sleep, y'all don't see how the image changed. Remember the time, nigga, I'm here to remind nigga. What's going on, everybody? It's Knife Wonder right here, man. And you're checking out Making a Difference with my man Ken Making. Keep it locked. Peace. Got a sweet tooth? Well, get ready because it's about to get socked in a tasty way. My name is Sharad Sockwell, and I'm the founder and baker of Saki Sweets. A passion for baking homemade sweets was passed down to me from my grandmother. It's now my desire to keep her tradition alive and provide the utmost service. Cheesecakes, cupcakes, pies, you name it, we have it. What I really take pride in are our themed cakes. Do you have a child's birthday or a special occasion coming up? We can give it a unique flair with a cartoon style, game, or whatever you desire. Call me today at 803-761-4137 or hit me up on Facebook at facebook.com slash sakisweets and that's spelled S-O-C-K-Y-S-S-W-E-E-T-S or you can hit me up on my Instagram handle, also at Saki Sweets. Do you need insurance for your car, home, life, or business? Then trust Jay Harvey, your Allstate insurance agent in Evans, Georgia. He opened his agency in 2017 because he loves helping and working with people. As a husband and father, he understands the importance of helping families prepare for the unexpected. You can get a personalized insurance quote today by calling 706-434-8106. Jay's office is located at 3118-8 William Few Parkway in Evans, Georgia. Remember, you're in good hands with Jay Harvey, your neighborhood Allstate insurance agent. It's the West Coast diva. Tell them, follow the leader. It's yo, yo. You're listening to Making the Difference with Ken Making. Family, welcome back to Making the Difference. By this point, man, if you're still listening, after everything that's going on, man, we definitely family, man. We definitely in this thing together. So, um, with that said, I just got the speaking of family, I just got the phone with my moms, man. Uh, first of all, I'm just grateful that my mom was still here, man. But we were just t- kind of talking about the Breonna Taylor thing, and she was we actually we talked about a lot. You know how moms are, man. You talk about one thing, boy, and 
That thing snowballs so fast, man. <laughs> but it's cool, man. Actually, as a matter of fact, I had a chance to write about my mom. I uh, wrote a piece for Christian Science Monitor. Um, it's about uh, poverty versus school choice. And so I wrote about um, my mom, my mom, who's been in teaching now for over 40 years. And actually, back in 99, she was one of the teachers uh, who went down to Allendale, South Carolina, as a teacher specialist. Um, and that was part of the, the state takeover that took place down there uh, from 1999 to 2007. Now, they took over the school because of poor academic performance. But what I was alluding to in the piece was that, you know, it's one thing to look at academic performance, but uh, it's also, well, in terms of education, we should also look at how uh, poverty factors into um, a child's performance. And so, you know, if a, maybe if a, you know, if a child comes to school hungry, could that affect their performance? Most certainly. Uh, if a child's living conditions are, you know, are, you know, substandard, could that affect their learning? Yes. And so I wrote that piece and basically I wrote it from the perspective of, you know, so many of the school choice discussions that we have are basically an issue of preference. You know, do you prefer public or private? Um, and some in those discussions as well uh, kind of take a, you know, a, a political turn in terms of just the extreme polarity. You know, do you, you know, are you more inclined to uh, right wing ideology in terms of school choice? Uh, maybe a more liberal side or democratic side in that regard. But I had the chance to write that for Christian Science Monitor. It came out really well. Uh, obviously would encourage you to read that. I will uh, see if I can link it here um, via SoundCloud or wherever you may be listening uh, to this podcast. Anyway, we're t- at first we were talking about Breonna Taylor um, and she was saying, you know, can you believe that the officer, the one officer who was charged, uh, he was charged with the shots that he, excuse my stomach growling, if y'all can hear that. <laughs> Look, it's lunchtime. Um, if you can believe that this officer was charged with the shots that he fired into another apartment, uh, as opposed to the shots that were fired into Breonna Taylor. And I said, Ma, I can believe, I can absolutely believe it because for the last six or so months, a lot of the conversations that's being had, that's been had in terms of the protests is, you know, um, you know, we shouldn't, there shouldn't be looting. There shouldn't be, there's been more, at some points, there have been more attention paid to property and to protecting property than there has been to actually protecting black people and black lives. And this is something that, you know, has been consistent with what I've been saying on this podcast and what's been happening in this country. The police are designated to protect the wealthy and white. Why? Because that's what the establishment is designed to protect. We have to understand that police are a subsidiary, are heralds of the establishment. The police aren't just some arbitrary force that says, hey, this is what's right and this is what's wrong and we're going to go after black people. No, this is the energy that um, and the protections that's being brought forth by the establishment. And once you understand that and once you understand the preferences of the establishment and of um blood-sucking capitalist, then everything else begins to make sense. I did promise you all a sports conversation. Um, I won't keep you long on that because I'm watching, like I said, there's this desire to get back to normal. And a lot of how people want to get back to normal, you know, is through sports. And so 
I'm starting, and of course the NBA is back. Um, you know, baseball's back, and the NFL is back, and, and football in general, college football, uh, they're playing some games. Am I the? I'm not the only one. Shout out Crystal Franks. Look, I'm shouting you out on the pod, man. I'm putting you. I put your government name out here. But one thing about Chris, Chris, I ain't scared, y'all. Um, I <laughs> am I the only one who feels like this don't feel right, man. I don't care if Black Lives Matter is on the court. I don't care if you put in racism, you know, in the end zone. It just doesn't feel right. And what I'm realizing is it's just like, just like I'm taking the Breonna Taylor and George Floyd situations and it doesn't feel right um, that people are making careers off of these tragedies. It doesn't feel right that in the middle of a pandemic where over 200 people have died, 200,000 people have died that we're trying to that we're looking for sports as an escape and i'm not saying that because we don't deserve to have a break lord knows we need a break i'm saying this from the perspective of this that the elephant in the room is that we could have had all of these things and this is what i've shared with many people i don't know if i've shared this on the podcast before i may have if i have i'm going to share it with you again to me there was a simple solution for everything that's happened with the pandemic and because we did not follow this, I believe, very simplistic model. Um, we've become the laughingstock of the world. All this stuff with the pandemic start happening in March. Um, Six-month plan where you pay unemployment to everybody and you mandate masks. So it's encouraging people to stay in the house and social distance. I believe under this model, within four months, you would start seeing a significant dip in cases, much like we have seen across the rest of the world. Now, of course, you would have still had two more months of unemployment. Now, what we're realizing with unemployment is that some people are making more money on unemployment than they're making actually working, which is, of course, an indictment of uh, wages and it is an indictment of uh, the job market, that we aren't paying people uh, nearly enough. To, uh, we're not paying them a living wage. Nevertheless, we would have paid uh People would have had that extra money coming in for two months. Bills would, would have been getting paid, stuff like this. So, you know what would have happened in September? Because this would have started in March, September, maybe around Labor Day. Kids would have been able to go back to school virtually COVID-free. Sports uh, would have been kicked, uh, you know, kicking off. The economy would have come back roaring because people would have, the morale would have been so high because people's bills would have been taken care of for over the last six months. Instead, what you have is this, and let me be perfectly clear. Now, clearly, uh, racism and police brutality has been going on for decades, for generations now. But make no mistake about it, what happened with George Floyd was not only a result of people's being angry about uh, what happened during that 8 minutes and 46 seconds. There was also an anger and a frustration related to the pandemic and related to unemployment and related to evictions and all these different types of things that have been happening to people. So all of these different things are swirling around in this unholy gumbo. And the only solution that this country has is, eh, we'll just play some sports. It doesn't feel right. And I'm going to make this singular point and I'm going to call it a day on this episode. The reason why it doesn't feel right for me is that because I look at sports and I see the same issues. I see the same injustices and disrespect of black people. Um, and they're very similar in the way that I see the disrespect um, and the injustices that I see um, 
outside of the sports world. And this is why some of the players, as best as they can, are protesting, are speaking up on these issues. But it's not enough. And I've said that a lot during this podcast. I've said it, it's not enough. What will make it? And, and so you may be asking me, well, Ken, what, what will be adequate? I'll make this, again, very simple. We have to specifically pinpoint what it is that's keeping us from justice in this country. If it's wealth inequality that's keeping us uh, from justice in this country, then we need to push full steam ahead for reparations. Uh, we can no longer hide behind this idea that uh, reparations is something that, um, well, I believe in it ideally, but I just don't think it'll ever get passed. Especially as people of, and I know a lot of people who listen to the show, you know, believe in Christ and there's a, you know, a spirituality that you, that you hold on to that many of us hold on to. And so I ask, what are the limits of your faith? What are your limits of your spirituality? And I even say that, you know, even in the traditions of, of Christ and Christianity, true Christianity, not, you know, right wing zealotry, um, that those ideas are radical. And so that radical belief requires a great deal of faith. And so I ask you in these moments, where are your faith? Um, things happen in this country now that are heartbreaking. Um, you guys may have heard at the beginning of the podcast. Like I was very emotional, man, and very hurt um, because these things tear at your soul. But they also make me resolute because I understand what it's going to take to resolve these issues. And I understand they're not going to be resolved overnight or in, in you know, a, a day or month or years. It's going to take just the effectual working. And that's even a biblical phrase for those of us who are read the effectual continuing um, of working against these systems and understanding that these systems are not going to stand still while we push back against them. But we got to keep pushing, y'all. Uh, that's the long and the short of it. Um, and we and and I'll make this very personal for myself because I'm a person as an African-American journalist who has had the fortune, I would say, over the last few months to be able to write columns and to have opportunities that I've never had before. And if I'm going to write about race and write about these issues, I'm going to do so in a way that fights for Breonna Taylor. I'm going to do so in a way that um, not just in this vain way, but understanding that by any means necessary, we need to do what it takes to make sure that I said before, like to prevent Breonna Taylor's and George Floyd's. No, we want more Breonna Taylor's and George Floyd's because Breonna Taylor and George Floyd were beautiful people. Breonna Taylor was an essential worker. George Floyd was a man who was turning his life around. He was a man who is what we want from our, our citizenry. We want them to be better. Breonna Taylor and George Floyd aren't the problem. The problem is the policy and the policy makers. I want to close out this pod. I want to share with you a couple of thoughts by Langston Hughes. Uh, the first, I believe, is applicable to our dear Breonna Taylor and our brother George Floyd. The name of this poem is Harlem, and I'm fairly sure you've heard it before. It says, what happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load or does it explode? And it's with that idea of exploding that I want to share another word from Langston Hughes. It says, Negroes, sweet and docile, meek, humble and kind. Beware the day they change their minds. Wind in the cotton fields, gentle breeze. Beware the hour it uproots trees. I feel the winds have changed, twirling, y'all. I thank y'all for listening. 
I would uh, ask you guys for money. It does not feel appropriate for this particular podcast, though, if you feel compelled to support this podcast, I would ask that you just spread the word about it. Like, share uh, this with your family and your friends. Uh, With that said, I'm Ken Macon. I love you. There's nothing you can do about it. Peace and God bless. The revolution will not be televised. You see, a lot of times people see, 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 see battles and skirmishes on TV and they say, aha, the revolution is being televised. Nah, the results of the revolution are being televised. The first revolution is when you change your mind about how you look at things and see that there might be another way to look at it that you have not been shown. What you see later on is the results of that, but the revolution, that change that takes place will not be televised.